0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's poem is Longfellow's The Challenge. Like many of Longfellow's poems, The Challenge divides into two parts. The first half recounts a legendary story from Spanish history. The year is 1072 and the struggle is on among the children of King Ferdinand over control of the northern states of present-day Spain. The walled city of Zamora, ruled by Princess Uraca, is under siege by her brother, King Sancho II, called by Longfellow King Sanchez. With the siege stalled, a Zamoran assassin deceitfully gains a private audience with King Sancho, and murders him before escaping back to the castle, entering through a gate still called the traitor's gate. As the legend tells it, in the aftermath of this murder, one of the knights allied with King Sancho, outraged by what seems to him an act of treason against all Spaniards, regardless of their allegiances, rides forth from Sancho's camp and calls to all those both upon and within the castle's walls, denouncing them all as traitors. So outrageous is the murder of Sancho that not just are all those living in Zamora traitors, but so too are their ancestors, and so too are their descendants, though not yet born. The very wine they drink and bread they eat are guilty." It is this total denunciation of the people of Zamora and their lives that Longfellow is thinking of when, in the poem's second half, he turns to his own time, and perhaps ours as well, identifying himself with those living in safety and comfort and making the besieging army the world's poor. Through strikingly effective imagery, images of sound and smell and sight that bring to mind the parable of the rich man and poor Lazarus, Longfellow challenges his own comfortable life and the lives of all the world's comfortable among whom he implicitly places his readers. The most startling image comes in the poem's final stanza. Let's listen. The Challenge by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow I have a vague remembrance of a story that is told in some ancient Spanish legend or chronicle of old. It was when brave King Sanchez was before Zamora slain, and his great besieging army lay encamped upon the plain. Don Diego de Ordoñez sallied forth in front of all, and shouted loud his challenge to the warders on the wall all the people of zamora both the born and the unborn as traitors did he challenge with taunting words of scorn the living in their houses and in their graves the dead and the waters of the rivers and their wine and oil and bread there is a greater army that besets us round with strife a starving numberless army at all the gates of life the poverty-stricken millions who challenge our wine and bread and impeach us all as traitors both the living and the dead and whenever i sit at the banquet where the feast and song are high amid the mirth and the music i can hear that fearful cry and hollow and haggard faces look into the lighted hall and wasted hands are extended to catch the crumbs that fall. For within there is light and plenty, and odors fill the air, but without there is cold and darkness and hunger and despair. And there, in the camp of famine, in wind and cold and rain, Christ, the great Lord of the army, lies dead upon the plain." The 19th century in America was a time of progressive reform movements, in part because the United States, as it grew, was becoming ever more in need of reform. One keystone of progressive reform was the appeal to Christian sentiment on behalf of the poor and the oppressed. Still, it's startling, at the end of the challenge, to find Christ, the great Lord of the army of the poor, lying in the wind, in the cold, and the rain, in the camp of famine, dead upon the ground. In the poem's first half, Don Ordonia's condemns all those of Zamora, whether they had a direct hand in the murder of King Sancho or not, because the assassin came from among them, and they accept him back after his traitorous deed is done. Similarly, in the poem's second half, the murderer of Christ also implicitly comes from within the world of ease and plenty. That the murderer of Christ serves the interests of those at the banquet and is welcome there among them is also implicit. Those who enjoy the rich banquet, Longfellow and the greater part of Longfellow's first readers included, no doubt considered themselves Christians, but it's they, Longfellow suggests, and not the Jews or Romans of some far-gone day who are the killers of Christ. Let's listen again. The Challenge by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow I have a vague remembrance of a story that is told in some ancient Spanish legend or chronicle of old. It was when brave King Sanchez was before Zamora slain, and his great besieging army lay encamped upon the plain. Don Diego de Ordoñez sallied forth in front of all, and shouted loud his challenge to the warders on the wall. All the people of Zamora, both the born and the unborn, as traitors did he challenge with taunting words of scorn. The living in their houses, and in their graves the dead, and the waters of their rivers, and their wine and oil and bread. There is a greater army that besets us round with strife, a starving numberless army at all the gates of life, the poverty-stricken millions who challenge our wine and bread and impeach us all as traitors, both the living and the dead. And whenever I sit at the banquet where the feast and song are high, Amid the mirth and the music I can hear that fearful cry, And hollow and haggard faces look into the lighted hall, And wasted hands are extended to catch the crumbs that fall. For within there is light and plenty, and odors fill the air, But without there is cold and darkness and hunger, and despair. And there, in the camp of famine, in the wind and cold and rain, Christ, the great Lord of the army, lies dead upon the plain. As I'm preparing this episode, I'm also seeing on the news an infrared drone image of two little girls from Ecuador being dropped over the fence of our southern border in the night by paid smugglers who then run away, counting on the girls being found by border patrol agents and brought to shelter. This scene of the abandonment of children and desperate poverty is a far cry from the warm childhood scene we find in Longfellow's The Children's Hour, but not a far cry at all from the reality Longfellow presents in The Challenge. But does the reality of the challenge thus negate the reality of the children's hour? For me, no. Both poems are true, and we needn't, shouldn't, let go of one in order to embrace the other. Poetry asks us to be our fullest selves, to both treasure what is good in the world and be challenged by what isn't. I hope you enjoyed the challenge and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media, and visit this podcast website, firesidepoems.com, where you'll find previous episodes, including The Children's Hour, and also my email address. I'd love to hear from you to learn a little bit about who you are and what you like as you join me each week by the fireside.